And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again by Electrex Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. So uh, we are coming to you this week with a number of new stories. Give you a quick heads up that I am recovering from COVID, so hopefully I don't have any coughing fits or uh, brain fogginess, but uh, bear with me just in case. But uh, the good news is that uh, we still have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about this week. So uh, if we take a look at what we have on the docket this week, we've got a number of new electric bicycles. Some came out from Yamaha, some from a company called Delfast. Uh, We've also uh, got some crazy electric bike sales going on from a, a big company that you might have heard of called Rad Power Bikes. Some of the best sales they've ever had in the history of the company, which is kind of wild. Uh, what else? We, we've got a pile of interesting electric bikes, microcars, scooters, all sorts of weird micromobility things that we saw at Micromobility America. And then we've got some bigger vehicles to check out as well. Uh, a few upcoming electric motorcycles, like one from Super 73, the Suron Stormbee. And we took some test rides recently, too, on the uh, Livewire S2 Del Mar and on Polaris's um, Ranger XP Kinetic. It's their all-electric new Ranger side-by-side. So uh, where are we going to start out this week, Seth? All right, we're going to start with Yamaha launching two new full-suspension electric bikes. Okay, so these are the uh, YDX Moro updated bikes. The frame you might recognize, it was actually introduced uh, a couple of years ago, but it's a really cool frame. It's what they call a dual twin It was patented by Yamaha, and both the top tube and the down tube are actually two tubes in parallel. And that means that on the down tube, they've got the battery actually sandwiched between two frame tubes. And then in the top tube, they've got the shock running up sort of in between those tubes as well. So you get a smaller, lighter frame that still packs in all of the important parts that you need for a full suspension electric mountain bike. So a really interesting and and novel frame design there. Uh, The other big change, though, in these two updated bikes is that they get Yamaha's new motor, which I think is the uh, PWX3 is the latest motor, though they have so many at this point that it's a bit hard to uh, keep track of them. The former one used the uh, PWX2. And like most new mid-drive electric bike motors these days, the differences are pretty much it's a little lighter, a little more powerful, uh, a little torquier, just a little little better everything. And so um, these are Yamaha's new sort of top-of-the-line electric bikes. Uh, there's two models here, and basically they're differentiated by uh, one of them having slightly better parts than the other, um, you know, slightly nicer brakes, slightly nicer drivetrain, that sort of thing. Um, but they start at somewhere around 5000 bucks, and then go up to about, I want to say, like 6800 for the nicer one. So we're we're talking about you know a pretty pricey bike here, though. When it comes to uh, high-end electric mountain bikes, that's I guess not all that pricey if you really think about it. Yeah, it's not super pricey. I mean, it's you know compared to like Frey or something like that, it's a little on the high end. But Yamaha's, I would say, definitely a little higher end. They do their own stuff. My big thing, um, you know, obviously Yamaha makes some huge electric uh, motorcycles i was kind of surprised that the uh bike has a peak output of 500 watts um you know in the u.s we go up to 750 typically 500 watts is that gonna do it for us i mean 85 nanometer uh newton meters of torque uh, is nice it's like good but i don't know it just doesn't seem like for a yamaha bike that seems a little low yeah, and it's funny too because normally these types of um, you know high-end electric mountain bikes will come with a 250 watt rating because these sell very well in Europe and they have to conform to those European 250 watt limits. But here in the U.S., you know Yamaha Power Assist Bicycles is an American company, um, and so it's it's interesting that you know it's, it's kind of not here or not there, and that they don't go up to the 750 watt limit they're allowed in the U.S., but they also it to being higher than the 250 watts that they're limited to for European markets, which, as you know, most people know by now, these uh, electric mountain bikes, even the ones sold in Europe, they're not really 250 watts, even though most of them will say, you know, Bosch 250 watt motor. Generally, they fall in that 500 watt range. So 
It seems like the uh, PWX3 motor here from Yamaha, it's kind of par for the course in terms of um, you know European legal power, even if it's a little over the limit, but they're not pushing as hard as they could for the European, for, I'm sorry, the American market with that 750 watts. I mean, for the type of people that ride these, they're mountain bikers that are used to adding a lot of their own power. So I'm sure that's right. not going to bother them too much. But it is interesting that for a company that um, their design and headquarters is, is based in the U.S., they didn't actually push to go all the way with that 750 watt limit. And does this have a throttle or is this uh, strictly pedal assist? No, this is strictly pedal assist. So um, it's uh, not going to be a, a class two. And I think it goes up to um, 20 miles an hour, too. I don't recall off the top of my head. So I'm not even sure if it's class one or class three. It might just be a, a class one bike if it only goes up to, to 20 miles an hour. Yeah. And that's not bad if you're off, you know, if you're on trails, you really don't want to be going 28 miles per hour. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, like people who are thinking about this bike, it's it's not going to go super fast on road. Uh, it doesn't have the high end power that you're going to get from um, the bikes that you know, kind of skirt the the legal limits a little bit, like a, a Luna or a Frey or whatever. Um, but you know, for its purpose, and that's off roading, and for people who pedal a lot, this is going to be a great bike. Yeah, and I imagine it'll stand up to the kind of abuse that you know this type of riding is designed for too, which is where a good amount of that uh, price comes in and designing the frame and going with components that you know can take three, four foot drops repeatedly. Now, uh, Yamaha, do they make motors for other bikes, or they strictly make their own motors? Yeah, uh, so that's one thing that's actually pretty interesting about Yamaha is that they're one of the few companies that build motors as an OEM for other companies and build their own electric bikes, and that's that's really rare. You know, you don't see Bosch e-bikes out there in the same way you don't normally see like a you know recent Muller motor on, a, right. on another bike. Right. That's interesting. All right, cool. Uh, let's move on. Uh, e-bike company, very generic name, but uh, they do interesting <laughs> things. Releases over-the-air update, boosting its electric bike speed over 50%. So this is actually, uh, I guess it should say an e-bike company because uh, sort of left the article there in headline oh, okay. fashion. So this is uh, uh, a company okay. called OK, uh, O-K-A-I, or maybe it's Okai. If someone knows how to pronounce that, let me know. My but, bad uh, no, no worries. This is the uh, EV50, which was launched as the OK Ranger, but now they often mark it as the OK EB50. And it's it's interesting because this came out as a 20 mile per hour class two e-bike. And when it first came out, that was like one of the only digs I had against it was that, you know, this looks like a very nice uh, fat tire sort of adventure style electric bike, lots of power, big battery, but it only goes 20 miles an hour, kind of, you know, a bit of a downer for these bikes that are normally ridden on wide open dirt roads, you know, not something that you wouldn't be able to handle over 20 miles an hour on. But I guess they, you know, heard the call of the community and they released an over the air update to their app that allowed riders to unlock the bike to 28 miles per hour. And so, uh, in fact, it took it from what would ostensibly be a class two e-bike to a class three e-bike with the exception of it actually allowed 28 miles per hour with throttle use as well. Oh, and so that's, that's not even technically within the confines of a class three designation because with class three, it's supposed to cut out at 20 on throttle and then you can pedal assist up to 28. So this is technically not even a class three e-bike anymore. And even if it was, there are also people that have found they can get up to 31 miles an hour with this update. So it's just like, you know, opening it wide up. Yeah. yeah. They, they just don't care anymore. They're just, you know, letting riders do whatever they can with as much power as that motor will give. But you love which to is see it. Kind of neat. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, if, if you buy a bike and everyone who bought this wasn't expecting this, they didn't say in the beginning, like, just wait, you know, we're going to release an update. It'll, it'll go faster. Everyone bought this assuming, all right, you know, it's a nice, powerful bike. It cuts out of 20, whatever. And then a few months later, they get you know, this nice gift in the mail when they wake up and, and get to see that their bike can suddenly do over 50% as much speed. Yeah. And it, um, so that's uh, Okai is uh, kind of like, they used to be kind of strictly OEM for other uh, outfits like, uh, the, you know, scooter companies, for instance. And I guess maybe that's where they get their over the air chops where they're, you know, they can update things uh, remotely. 
Yeah, I can't imagine another company even doing that. Can you imagine just one day Rad being like, by the way, your bikes go uh, 50% faster now? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if Van Moof did that, and I think they probably could do that, but they wouldn't do that. Um, but no other bike company, I don't think, could could just do that. Uh, maybe, uh, what you call it, uh, the Croatians. Oh, um, Delfast? Yeah, no, no. Uh, Delfast? Oh, no, the, oh, the grape. Yeah, they're the Ukrainians. Yeah, yeah, the my Ukra- Eastern Europe confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, grape. I feel like grape, grape, yeah. grape would do something like that. Although theirs would be open to begin with anyway. But um, yeah, that's super cool. And yeah, it's interesting to see Okai kind of, or okay coming out of uh, the OEM world and, you know, hyping their own brand. We saw that a little bit. I forget what bike show they were kind of like, okay, you know, we used to do this and now we're doing this. Um, so that's cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, nice to see them pushing the limit too, even if it's kind of quasi questionably legal. Oh, it's definitely illegal. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt about it. Speaking of Ukraine, uh, Delfast unveils California inspired 1000 watt electric moped with hundred mile range. Their Delfast is usually big on the range. Yeah, not even just California-inspired, California-named. This is the Delfast California. That's the name of the new electric moped. And this, in fact, carries a very much uh, moped-style frame. It's technically a Class 3 e-bike, like we talked about before, but it it adopts that step-through moped-style frame. It's got smaller wheels, uh, 20 inches. They're mag wheels, which is nice, because that means they don't have spokes. There's just these three giant spokes that are sort of cast as part of the rim. But really, I think the um, the big takeaway here from this bike is the massive mid-drive motor. This is the Bafang M620, which many people know is the Bafang Ultra motor. It's uh, 160 newton meters of torque. It um, peaks at something like 1,500 watts, though a lot of companies will dial it back a bit. I think uh, Delfast is calling this 1,000 watts, so they might have you know, toned it down a little bit from its its peak output. But uh, any way you slice it, this is a very powerful motor. And they've got it limited at, at 28 miles per hour, you know, to keep it legal as a class three. But we've seen bikes with the same motor do 36, 37 miles an hour. So it's certainly capable of a lot more. Yeah. Uh, and and, this, and so, also, yeah. I think uh, we've seen some even tweak the motor uh, to go over two kilowatts and even three kilowatts. I think Watt Wagon's got like a 3.5 kilowatt uh, version that we haven't tested yet, so we can't confirm, but they're advertising it as a 3.5 kilowatt uh, Bafang Ultra. So yeah, a lot the, of things you can do with that motor. And I think when, when Bafang designed that motor, you know, they didn't really try and optimize for weight or anything. It's a big, chunky motor, but that also means that it's got a lot of thermal mass there, and it allows you to pull more power out of it without instantly overheating it, which is a benefit for these companies that, you know, push it a little closer to the edge of the envelope there. Yeah. And so um, this bike, another really interesting thing is is sort of the backstory here. So uh, if you're familiar with Delfast, you probably know they're more like enduro trail looking bike. It's kind of like a a boxy Suron almost. Uh, That's their top 3.0. But this bike is, is very different looking. It's like a totally different vibe. And the reason for that is that uh, one of their engineers was in California when the uh, invasion of Ukraine started last, I want to say, February or so. And uh, he got stuck there for a few months. And while he was there, he was like, well, what am I going to do at this time? And he just started looking around and sort of adopted that California moped vibe and designed a bike around that. So he used that time to create this, this new design. And that turned into, along with about 30 people working with him back in Ukraine, to this new uh, California moped. So it's kind of an, an interesting origin story for this bike as well. That is interesting. And it's also interesting that like that was, you know, in March or whatever of this year. So like all that, all that happened, you know, like the, the genesis of that happened, what, six months ago, and then they're already selling them. Yeah, uh, or, I mean, it's, or, it's wild. Yeah, pretty quick, interesting. Cool. Uh, we we know when these are going to be uh, in people's hands, or more specifically, your hands. Uh, I want to say that they're coming out in early next year. They they did start taking pre-orders, um, mm-hmm. or no, I'm sorry, they, they haven't started, but they are starting soon. They're going to launch an Indiegogo, but they did announce the price. 
So the the MSRP is a little pricey. It's uh, four thousand dollars, but they're going to launch them at two thousand on Indiegogo, and uh, you know I think the the fair price falls somewhere in between those, maybe mm -hmm. like in the high two to low three end. Uh, four seems like an like artificially high number to give a nice discount to, but right. uh, yeah, I think early next year is when they're talking about actual production. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, yeah, two thousand bucks. That's pretty good price for a Buffang Ultra. I wonder if they're going to have any kind of like, uh, don't cut this red wire or it'll make it really fast <laughs> kind of situations. Yeah. That does know, feel like what they do. Right. I mean, their their other bikes go quite quite fast. So, uh, moving on. Oh, this is this caught me kind of off guard. I I saw the news. Uh, they they sent me an email and uh, I was like, Mike, guess what? And then I looked and you already had posted. So um, <laughs> Rad Power Bikes launches its best sale ever with electric bikes starting at $4.99. So that's an incredible price. Yeah, this is wild. I don't think we've ever in the history of Rad Power Bikes as a company seen sales this good. And so um, the $4.99 bike is just the Rad mission to keep this in perspective. You're not going to get like a uh, Rad Rover 6 Plus for $4.99, but they have some other bikes, including the Rad Rover 6 Plus on crazy sale. So the Rad Rover 6 Plus is a $2,000 bike, but they have it $12.99 right now. And they also have their older Rad Cities, the Rad City 3 and 4, marked down to $13.99, which isn't as good of a sale. Those are, I want to say, $15.99 bikes, so those are only marked down $200. But those other two models are marked down $700, which is both awesome and kind of scary because it makes me wonder what's going on at rad that there's this like fire sale going on yeah it is weird because uh you know they they marked it down to what 8.99 i feel like a couple weeks yep. ago and yep. like now i kind of feel a little bit uh, i don't want to say anything inappropriate but like well we just told people like this is a crazy goodbye at 8.99 and then a bunch of people probably bought at 8.99 and now it's 4.99 and they're probably like oh thanks a lot for that uh so but 4.99 that that kind of conjures up the original like saunders uh indiegogo price and they're like how are they doing this this is crazy uh saunders had that fat tire bike originally with no suspension and basically nothing uh for 4.99 this is uh, obviously not a fat tire bike. Um, there's no gears on it. It's very simple and basic. And it's cool that it's $4.99. I don't know how long it's going to last. It sounds like maybe they have another uh, version of this coming out at a higher price. Uh, I would imagine. What do you think? I mean, why, why are they doing this? Yeah, I mean, my, my two best guesses would be either that we're going to see a Rad Mission 2 coming pretty soon and they're clearing out inventory. Or they just like earlier this year when there was you know huge uncertainty about supply chain that they ordered a whole pile of bikes and now they've got some crazy overstock situation where they're trying to clear out this massive quantity. I mean that's those are my best two guesses because anything else it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean it's such a good sale that if it wasn't on Rad's own site, I would think it was like you know yeah. some scam or something. Yeah, like, same. The bikes would show up saying like road power bikes or something. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, it's so interesting because I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know how to, like, I don't want to punch a gift horse in the mouth or whatever they say, but like, it's, it's such a good sale that it kind of disrupts the whole like ecosystem. Um, you know, like, well, for instance, like if I didn't have 10 e-bikes in my garage right now, I would like snap one of these up or two of these up. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I have a rad mission and I'm like, should I get another one? It's so I know. cheap. I know it's just like when the prices are that low, you're like, just buy it. Like, think of you know, we'll figure out later <laughs> what we should do with this thing. Uh, no, and and you know, I've never actually ridden a uh, Rad Mission. I've I've seen them in person. They look like solid bikes, um, but I imagine that Rad is coming out with something. So I think there's two things that this tells us about Rad's next bike, and they're probably going to continue to sell these inexpensively. But I think Rad is going to have a new bike that kind of fits this profile. It's probably going to be priced less than the original Mission, which was I think started at eleven hundred or a thousand or something. Yeah, they started at a thousand and then they raised it eventually to to twelve hundred. Right. So I think the new bike's going to come in probably at a thousand or something. Um, 
because you know why would you sell the older version for so, so much less um, unless the the new bike was going to cost less than the old bike. Um, the other thing is it's probably going to have like significant feature upgrades. So I would imagine some gears, like that's one of the things that uh, the Rad Mission always kind of seemed like it should have. And maybe some better uh, battery integration. Uh, it, it, the Rad Mission always seemed kind of like a, I don't want to say, like not like an anterior bike, but it seemed like let's just buy kind a cheap. together. Yeah, just buy a cheap frame and throw a battery on it. Um, so I think those are, if I had to guess, those would be like some of the upgrades that we'd see. Um, the rad mission already has lighting, right? It's, I can kind of see lighting. So maybe, maybe we'll see something, you know, upgraded there as well. Um, I do already love the tire size and the form factor is great, obviously. So what do you think? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, and it's been a while too. The, the original rad mission came out in the summer of, 2020 i believe so it's you know coming on two and a half years now um this this winter and so i I could certainly see that you know there would be a rad mission too in the works at this point and uh you know i think your guesses there are pretty spot on um and and i think as their entry-level bike it's probably been important to them to keep a sub thousand dollar bike and Mm -hmm. and if they can do it with a new model then i think that's going to help them retain a big part of that lower market share that they started to scoop up when they introduced this. Yeah. And there's companies like uh, electric out there that have introduced lower priced e-bikes at seven ninety nine, And I know um, juiced has also lowered its prices a little bit um, after the, you know, the supply chain uh, issues are kind of loosening up, I think. So getting those prices down is, is noteworthy. And obviously four ninety nine, you know, everybody's talking about that. So, that's good publicity. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of wild. Like if it wasn't their own market, I'd call it like e-bike dumping. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, it seems strange because rad has always tried to keep, um, it's prices high. We've, we've talked to, um, Mike Radenbach, the CEO a bit, and you know, we're always like, Hey, could you get the rad runner down a little bit? And he's like, yeah, we have some margin, but you know, we want to keep the, the, the prices, um, kind of stable you know, the stability of the price market was important. And here, this is just like grenading that whole stability. Uh, so interesting, interesting move here. Uh, if you're looking for a low end e-bike, this is absolutely way better than, you know, picking up a Amazon e-bike or a Walmart e-bike. This is going to be way better than that. Um, 499 is, is a steal. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Seth. I mean, if, if you're looking for your first e-bike, this is just, the, the value here is, is crazy. All right, let's move on from that. The coolest e-bikes, scooters, and electric micro cars, and more we saw at Micro Mobility America. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to grab just a few of these here because I think I included like 20 from uh, the Micro Mobility America conference that I attended last month in San Francisco. There were a lot of interesting things on display just like from everything. I mean, you know, you had your normal scooters and e-bikes, but then you had like cargo electric scooters, you had powered roller skates, you had microelectric cars. I mean, there was just, there was everything. And so um, if you see anything that like captures your eye, Seth, uh, it seems like that uh, cargo scooter has caught it. Yep, that's that's uh, our first uh, supportive call here. Yeah, so uh, this is not uh, available for purchase yet. It's still patent pending, but this is called the Airglide from uh, Artful Design Group. And basically it's a seated scooter, so there's no pedals, and it's got a big front-loading bucket on it. So it's like a front-loading cargo bike without pedals, but then it folds up and the rear sort of collapses into the cargo bucket. And these little like sort of, I call them like training wheels drop down, it turns into a cart. So you can push it into like Costco, do your shopping, like put it all into your cargo scooters bucket while pushing it along and then like push it right back out disassemble it or I guess assemble it back into a scooter and ride it home. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a bike cart carry the back of the bike. <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lot of innovative stuff going on here. Well it's it's just such an interesting uh form factor here. Uh but you know it it's it is just amusing to see the bike carrying the the back of the bike. 
Yeah, uh, they, they have to solve uh, interesting problems because of that too, because the motor is actually in the rear along with the battery, uh-huh. and so but it it completely disconnects, so there can't be like a wired connection for the throttle there. So the oh, throttle yeah. is actually wirelessly connected, kind of like on an electric skateboard. Did you get it? I mean, did you have an opportunity to ride it? Oh was yeah, it... yeah, I was riding that thing. How how did it feel? Uh, it felt long but yeah. surprisingly easy to control. Like I really thought it would be a little more like wobbly. Like I was, you know, like riding a snake down the road, but right. it, it actually, you know, rode nicely. It's Pretty got 16 firm. inch wheels. So it's, you know, feels like a kind of like a small bike wheel. That's so interesting. And uh, the throttle was pretty responsive with the wireless and everything. Yeah. I mean, it was just immediate. Like I wouldn't have known that it wasn't a normal wired throttle if they hadn't have showed it to me. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, uh, we'll look for those uh, hitting the market at some point. Uh, yeah, what are... it, it'll be a little while. But yeah, uh, yeah so, so these are the Aventura X. It's a Barcelona-based company that's now operating in the U.S. And they've got these uh, sort of Vespa-styled, uh, retro-looking seated electric scooters. I'm sure these are from China and they've, you know, rebadged them. But they're still super fun. I, I rode one uh, nice and smooth. It's, it's funny because it has a like hidden power mode that if you like twist the throttle five times while pushing certain buttons, it goes into power mode. Nice. I didn't like that at all. Cause it was too like jumpy. It was like really just like wanted to like fly off the line. Okay. So I, uh, they put it back in like eco mode and man, the thing just, it's like smooth. It's comfortable. It only goes, I want to say 30 miles an hour. So it's like, you know, moped law speeds, but mm-hmm. um, you know, nice and, and elegant looking. So it was, it was a pretty nice one to see there. Yeah, that's that's like uh, perfect for like the beach house or, you know, heading, you know, just around like town. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I also like I, I like that these, you know, off off brands are are designing really good looking scooters. And, and that'll kind of hopefully kind of push Vespa into, you know, creating uh, affordable versions of their, you know, they have a very limited uh, electric line. I, are they owned by Piaggio or something? Like yeah, what? so they're. Um, I think Vespa is still a Piaggio brand, if I'm not mistaken. If yeah. I am, I'm sure someone's going to call me out. Right. Yeah, and they they uh, they have like one electric scooter, and it's like thirty five thousand dollars or something insane. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it's like eight, but still, it's you know for what it is, it's way too expensive. Right. So hopefully, this kind of gets them taking it more seriously. All right. What yeah. else did we talk about here? Um, the Eli electric micro car. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's that guy right there. Yeah. So that's basically a, uh, in the U S they're limited to 25 miles an hour. So you're talking like neighborhood electric vehicle. Um, and it's like a two seater. I mean, it feels like a little car when you get in, it's, it's pretty trippy. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the doors, it's glass all the way down. And so it, it feels bigger than it, than it is when you get in because you can actually look down and like see through the door instead of feeling like you're in a tiny, capsule mm-hmm. um but otherwise it just drives like a normal car it's pretty cool and the front wheel is just a single wheel right no it's got no. two wheels it's a, it's a four-wheeler really that it's weird because the perspective on the the, the video actually looks like the back wheel is a single wheel and then yeah, on, this, the... on this one the front wheel looks like a single wheel <laughs> the whole thing is just weird when you like walk around it everything you know doesn't quite follow what you'd expect from you know, your whole life of looking at cars. Uh, what about Boaz uh, bikes? Um, I'm more interested in this uh, seated scooter. Yeah. So uh, Boaz bikes is kind of a misnomer because they are scooters, as you described. There's no pedals on these, mm-hmm. but they're a really cool scooter design. And the company, they're all about safety. Like when we were talking, they kept coming back to how like their their prime goal from the beginning has been to make like a safe and, and comfortable scooter for people that feel like they're going to fall off a bird scooter. And so that's what these are. They're they're seated, but they're also nice and low. So you can put your feet on the ground at any time and you feel, you know, like you're sitting in a chair. Uh, they've got rear suspension there. There's no um, front suspension, but you're basically sitting right over the rear wheel. So <laughs> the rear suspension is going to be the one that you're you're really feeling there. And, uh, and then they've got disc brakes, uh, lighting, mirrors. So they're, they're really like, you know, harping on this uh, safety equipment, comfortable feeling like kind of impossible to fall over because you just put your feet down, that kind of thing. So it's a, a really cool design. They they mostly do um, rentals. They're in a few cities and they're kind of like a, 
a rent by the minute Lime competitor, but they mm-hmm. do sell the scooters as well. So if people, you know, really like the design and they want to own one, they'll they'll sell you one. Yeah, it's cool. A couple of things I note, like the big front wheels, great for not, uh, you know, getting over potholes. If you have like a a bad uh, road situation near you, having a bigger front wheel is nice. Also, um, uh, you know, it looks like you could, but like you could also do a standing thing on these if you wanted to, right? Yeah, I imagine you could. It's got a lot of space there. But, uh, you know, when they give you a seat, like why stand when you can sit? Yeah, that's what I never understood. The uh, the standing scooters could, most of them can convert to sitting so easily. And when you're sitting, you actually have a little bit more control over the, uh, you know, with the, with your kind of legs, you can kind of control the bike or the, the scooter a little bit more. So I'm surprised there's not more sitting scooters out there. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, this one I'm sure my son would love to see is looks like an electric. Uh, um, what, do, what do you call those things? Well, I don't know if they're roller skates or roller blades because they've yeah. got like wide wheels like skates, but they're inline like blades. Right. So I, mean, like, I guess they probably handle closer to roller blades. So I'd call them electric roller blades. But okay. yeah, I mean, it's the technology is basically electric skateboard technology, you know, with like the remote control and everything but Mm -hmm. stuffed into a skate form factor. So both of the uh, two boots, skates, whatever you call those things, the end Mm -hmm. of your leg piece, both of them have rear wheel drive. And uh, it it was funny because I saw a few people testing them out and they really look like, you know, timid in the beginning because I I imagine the feeling is if you give too much throttle, your legs just shoot out from under you. Right. So uh, I don't know what the sensation is like. This is one of the few I didn't actually try. But in terms of convenience, I can't think of like a smaller form factor electric vehicle right. that you can still like commute around a city with. It's And the cool thing is these also strap onto your shoes. So it's not like you have to be like, oh, where am I going to put my shoes while I'm you know, riding them? They just like like those old fashioned 1950s skate shoes. They just strap right onto your tennis shoes. Yeah. And um, Razor made a version of these that were more like Heelys. Um, that yeah, like my, a platform kind of that you yeah on. that um, my son tried out and he actually got pretty good at it um, I wonder if uh, these will ever become like a mode of transportation well, we'll have to sign your son up for the review when they eventually uh, come yeah out. yeah for sure all right uh, what else we got here uh, driverless delivery uh, so these are um, looks like uh, rob- uh, drony type things yeah, so they're they're built using the uh, Archimoto FUV platform, mm-hmm. but then the entire inside has been scooped out for a big cargo bay. So it's uh, like a totally driverless platform where the two seats are now a big trunk, and uh, that thing will just, I guess, companies that need delivery will just you know have a fleet of these instead of paying drivers a fair wage, they'll just pay a robot, I guess. Hmm. And. Uh... They're not legal on roads yet or anything, right? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I think a lot of cities, it's like the the driverless stuff is running ahead of regulations anyways. So right. they're like, they're not illegal, but no one said they're legal. Right. Uh, I guess maybe on campuses, uh, they can kind of try these out and hopefully not kill anybody. All right. <laughs> now, now we're on skateboards. Yeah. So uh, this is... Uh, it takes a lot to like really impress me with an electric skateboard because they're kind of simplistic vehicles, but the suspension here is wild. It's got like dual wishbone suspension that you'd see in basically like a go-kart scaled down into skateboard sized. And then uh, it also has a removable battery, which by itself is like just kind of interesting, but the tool for removing the battery is actually built into the bottom of the wireless remote that uses the throttle. Mm. So that was another kind of, neat thing here that you need the remote to be able to remove the battery which is kind of a a fun design thing so between the suspension and that these are some pretty innovative electric skateboards yeah and i noticed the the wheels are like a rubber like a like a tire rather than uh, most skateboards have like skateboardy type wheels Um, right and is that the suspension on front and back? I can't tell if the back has suspension. Yeah, it's it's got a similar suspension. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but these are hunter boards for someone who wants to look this up. It's a Portuguese company. Okay. And uh, they're available for sale? And 
I, I believe so. Yeah, they um, they were there, you know, representing their their product line. So I'm pretty sure these are already available. All right, moving on to Jackrabbit. We've seen this before, but uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jackrabbit. Oh, it's, it's always going to be this little spot in my heart, very small spot for this very small micro bike, which is technically again kind of a scooter because it doesn't have pedals. But for those that don't know, the Jackrabbit it rolls on 20 inch wheels that are so close that it feels like they're almost touching. That's how short the wheelbase is. And it's just like a super small 24 pound bicycle like uh, micro mobility device. So a really cool thing if you just need like a very small scooter sized vehicle, but with big enough wheels that you aren't going to fall into a pothole. That's cool. I'm, I'm looking for, I know there's a lot of stuff here. I don't want to spend yeah. anything else i should be uh so this on. is this last one wheel is a good one to uh to end on okay it's w-e-e-l this is a um believe it or not it's a driverless bike the you see how thick that head tube is there yeah there's i do a not believe there. it because <laughs> so uh if you if you want to see it in action uh it's in the video that i embedded in the post i think if you scroll down a little further and then jump to like the very end there Okay. I included a, a video of it working. Um, but basically, the head tube has a motor that controls steering. And then uh, it can basically balance itself. Uh, so oh, wow. let, it, let it start from uh, maybe like 10 seconds from there, and it'll it'll start playing its its video. And it's not really meant for um, to, to be a driverless bike. What it's really meant for is uh, helping people feel more confident. Like if you take your hands off, it's not going to crash. It's also designed with a camera so it can uh, keep you in a bike lane. And, you know, if you start to wander out, it's almost like lane assist kind of thing. And so it's, it's designed to make people feel more confident and to be safer. It's not meant to drive without a rider, but it theoretically can. That is pretty exactly weird. It would be cool. I mean, if you could park it, you know, at a at a bike parking thing, and then you know, with your little phone, just be like, "Hey, bike, hey, Steed, come come pick me up." I feel like do do a video like that, and it would be pretty pretty popular. All right, that's uh wow, quite a bunch of stuff there. Um, I'm gonna have to sneak in next year to that conference. That seems like a pretty cool one. All right, moving on. Super 73's Neo Retro Electric Motorcycle shown in first actual testing video. So we've we've seen this bike before, but it's now in a video. Yeah, now now it's real. Like we we kind of figured, oh, this is a concept when it first came out, but they actually are showing off the concept working for the first time. Uh, they said it's dialed back to like 25% power or 25% speed, but this is the first time we've ever seen this motorcycle actually working and not just sitting pretty on a stage so this is kind of a uh you know a big moment for for super 73 that their c1x is progressing towards uh production so that's that's a pretty cool thing to see we still don't have a lot of specs on it we still don't know how much it's going to cost and we really don't know when it's going to be out either but we do know that they're actually making progress which is nice yeah it's a good looking bike um and we do we do not know when those are going to come out we know that the kind of the competition is saunders metacycle um maybe some like some of those other low end low priced bikes and this still has like some of the super 73 like the handlebars kind of remind me of a, a bike more than a motorcycle for instance it, and mm -hmm. the, the seat also reminiscent of a super 73 design yeah, even like the coloring, you know, the bright pink and yellow, very kind of 80s there. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, they, they definitely stuck with their styling, which is great to see because that's a big part of what people buy into when they get a Super 73. These days, there are so many Super 73 knockoffs that, you know, people are, they really want part of that community, part of that style to get the actual Super 73 feeling. And so it's cool to see they captured that with the motorcycle as well. And it looks like they're, they're kind of advertising a, uh, unlocking with a card kind of situation there maybe with the phone as well yeah it's, it's starting to become a little more common i've even seen a few e-bikes and scooters that have those like nfc cards yeah it's a cool way to you know protect the bike and make sure that if someone's going to steal it you're not making it easy right you gotta put it on the back of a pickup all right uh we're closing down at, as we usually do with some higher powered stuff uh we got the suron storm b 68 uh, mile per hour off-road electric motorcycle gets us arrival date takes pre-orders 
We've been watching this one since before Corona, even um, when they first announced there was going to be a more powerful Sauron. This is uh, about two to three times more powerful than the Sauron Light BX, which is the one that most people think of when they hear of a Sauron. And so we've been waiting a long time to find out when these are going to actually come to the U.S. And so now we know the U.S. importer, uh, which is a uh, company called Dion, I want to say, D-I-A-N, I believe. Um, and they have announced that it will be coming in February of next year. So they're already taking pre-orders. It's going to be $8,500. bucks. Um, but riders can put down a uh, $500 reservation to get in line now. And basically, this is like a sort of fully-fledged dirt bike, whereas the original Suron is more of like a light sort of trail bike, you know, like 5 kilowatts or so. This one has 22.5 kilowatts, and it's got a you know liquid-cooled motor. Uh, it's a much larger bike. It can go 68 miles an hour. So this is, you know, significantly more of a uh, serious bike than the Suron was. Yeah, different, different class of bike altogether, really. Um, so you, you mentioned the the importer. Um, does that mean that uh, Luna and Segway aren't going to be part of that, or does that mean that they have an additional middle person? Yeah, so I uh, actually asked the importer about that because I was under the impression that Luna had an, an exclusive Suron deal for the U.S., and they were like, no, we haven't heard of any exclusive deal, so... They import both the Suron Light B and this uh, upcoming Storm B, the more powerful bike. Huh. And they've got their own dealer network that's uh, not connected to Luna. So uh, and as far as I know, I don't think Luna's even bringing in this larger bike, the Storm B. Yeah, I think um, I saw on Facebook that um, uh, Eric, the CEO of uh, Luna, had talked about it. But I think their uh, vibe is more bikes you know, electric bikes and Suron's kind of like the top end of, or sorry, the, the light B was kind of the top end of that. And this is kind of moving into a different category. So maybe that's why they, you know, decided not to, to go with this, but I'm also surprised Segway, I guess Segway is also into more bike and, and scootery things. Um, so I'm also, I guess a little surprised that Segway is not part of the uh, importing of this guy. Yeah, I mean, even when they, you know, bought Suron and then started producing, you know, rebadged Surons, that surprised me because Segway's always been the like, you don't need any training, just hop on our thing and ride it right. down the street. Right. And these are these are not that. No, not that at all. Well, they're they're exciting. Uh, I'm glad you're in contact with the uh, the the new importer and uh, look forward to seeing a review of this. I'm sure you're looking forward to it as well, right? Yeah, though uh, they're actually already available in Tel Aviv. I've been meaning to go to the the Israeli dealer here and uh, check them out. The the U.S. is kind of getting them later than everyone else, unfortunately. Oh, interesting. Well, giddy up on that. Let's 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 get that out. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, testing Harley Harley's Livewire S2 Del Mar electric motorcycle. First, you ride it, then you want to buy it. This has been one of the highlights of my tests over the last few months. Uh, I was quite honored that they invited me out to test it. Uh, they, they said I'm the second journalist to ever get on it, but I've never seen anyone else cover this. So I don't know who the first one was or why they haven't shared the experience, but this thing was incredible. This is the second electric motorcycle motorcycle that Livewire's ever produced. Uh, and technically, it's their first in-house model after the Livewire 1 was kind of you know inherited from Harley-Davidson. So this is a bit of a smaller bike, though it's still not as small as I was expecting. It's still, you know, a full-size motorcycle. Um, and they haven't released the the power specs or the, the top speed, but man, this thing is like basically just as powerful feeling as the Livewire one. It's almost as quick off the line. It'll do zero to 60 miles an hour in 3.1 seconds, whereas the Livewire one, I believe is three seconds flat. So that's basically, you know, the same thing in my book. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just trying to keep the front end down, right? Yeah, I mean, these have, you know, computer control, so they handle that for you. Um, all the, you know, anti-wheelie, anti-stoppy, um, everything, you know, it just makes it easy to ride it well. Um, but, man, this thing was just, it was a blast to ride. It is so powerful, especially going in, expecting it to kind of be like a, a toned-down Livewire one. Really, it's just like a more affordable Livewire one in that sense. 
and it's it's also much more comfortable. Interesting. Uh, if you've, yeah, if you've ever been on a Livewire one, you'll know that the reach is really far. The the how far you have to lean forward to grab the bars, you really feel like you're kind of leaning out over the tank. Whereas on the uh, S2 Del Mar, you're a lot more upright, and to me, it's just it's it's a much more comfortable feeling. Um, it's not you know a, a cruiser bike by any means, but it's closer to that end of the spectrum than to like a sport bike feeling. And so it's like sort of an upright roadster bike. To me, it was just the so much more comfortable than a Livewire one, even though each time I get on a Livewire one, I get used to that long reach. But I think with this one, because the battery isn't quite as long, you're not forced to, you know, really lean out over it to, to find those bars. And so it was, you know, just as sporty, but to me, so much more comfortable to ride. Um, and really fast over here, I blurred out the speedometer because I was going well in excess of the speed limit on New York highways. And uh, so I don't even know what the top speed is because I got up as high as I felt like I wanted to risk losing my license with, and it still could have gone faster. So we don't know what the top speed is yet. They haven't announced it, just like they haven't announced the actual motor power. But we know that it is pretty darn fast, faster than you could legally ride anywhere in the U.S., yeah, that's that's great. Um, so where did you go, actually? So we went uh, around New York City out onto um, they told me a bunch of roads and, and bridges with names of famous people that I don't know enough about New York City to to remember. But I think at one point we were in New Jersey. Okay. Um, there was like really pretty highway roads with trees on either side, which makes me think we were out of New York City at that point. Yeah, probably. And, <laughs> and if you uh, were in New Jersey, you probably went over the George Washington Bridge. That sounds familiar. I feel okay. like he was involved. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so maybe like the uh, the Jersey, uh, what is it called? The uh, the Palisades Parkway or something. Yeah, I think we were on the path. That sounds familiar. All right. Uh, that's can, cool. Can you tell I don't go to New York a lot? A little bit, yeah. So um, I noticed, so t differences between the Del Mar, like what kind of technology does it have? I noticed the charging is on the side instead of the top. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't have the level three charging of the Livewire one, mm. which is a bummer because on motorcycles, I mean, that's like key to be able to just like pull off, you know, take a pee break or a coffee break, get like, you know, three quarters of your tank in and continue on your way. So um, it doesn't have that level three charging like the Livewire one, but it does have level two, which the Livewire one was missing. And mm. so because this is like largely a commuter bike, you know, it's meant for people that are going to be you know, riding around town and maybe need to get on the highway, but aren't going to be doing like long touring rides, um, which by the way, it has a, a range, a city range they listed of 110 miles. So because it, it's not really meant for touring, I think that's why they didn't feel the need to give it that level three charging. But the nice thing is that with level two, they say it'll charge um, from 20 to 80% in uh, 75 minutes. So you know, it's if you take it somewhere, you do your shopping, you can come out with a full battery. But yeah. for, for quick stops, it's not going to do it. Um, it's built on a totally different platform, though. It right. doesn't use that original motor, doesn't use that original Livewire one battery. Um, it's all new. It's all built on what's called the Aero platform. So it actually uses the battery as a structural member and everything's bolted onto that that structural battery. And so okay. the goal is that they can then use that platform to build uh, increasingly more affordable bikes and other styles of bikes. That's interesting. That's kind of like uh, Tesla's uh, mantra lately is the uh, the structural battery pack. Um, yeah, so uh, I am a little bit surprised about the no level three charging because it seemed like that would be easier. Uh, level two charging means you have to have a bigger inverter, but I, I imagine the uh, size and weight of those things are, are coming down. Um, Anything else like, uh, you know, like you said, it rides pretty similar in strength wise to uh, the Livewire one. Uh, what other like riding dynamics did you guys you know, kind of figure, feel or figure out? For sure. I mean, it basically felt, uh, you know, like I said, as sporty as, as the Livewire one I've been on. Uh, it was it was super comfortable as a city bike, something that I feel like I could ride for hours and hours. Whereas the Livewire one, you know, I was often having to stand up on the pegs, stretch my legs, that kind of thing. This one, it just I felt like I could ride it for a lot longer. We only did, you know, maybe two hours, including stops and stuff. But uh, I feel like I could have gone all day on it. Yeah. Uh, and also, it was such a conversation piece. Like every time we'd stop, like, you know, bus drivers rolled down their windows and were talking to us. 
uh, the Livewire one also is, you know, is just very striking looking. So both of these bikes, you know, they look different and people like they want to know what they are. It's like they can't place it. They just know it looks good. Right. And they want to, you know, come up and talk to you about it, um, which is something I talked about in the video as well was kind of neat is that like we'd be at a red light and people could come up and talk to you and you're not like shouting over a motor. Right. Or like we'd be riding down the road next to each other, having a conversation between two bikes without having to yell over two engines. Right. So it, it it's pretty quiet. Um, there's not like a lot of wind or any kind of noise like that. Exactly. Yeah. If anything, it's it's so much quieter than the Livewire one. Um, Interesting. And I, I would even say it's like a little too quiet, not from a safety standpoint, because I don't buy that loud pipe save lives thing. Right. But just from a like sometimes you kind of want almost like a, a little bit of feedback from the bike that, you know, you you hear the the motor winding up and you kind of communicate back and forth that way with the bike. And so with this, it's it's so quiet that it doesn't quite have that same, um, you know, uh, sort of, I guess, feedback that you get from Livewire 1, where you both feel and hear the the uh, miter gear as it, as it spools up. So it, it could be because I was riding in the city, it was very loud, but I could hear the Livewire 1s that were on either side of me from the two Livewire guys, but I couldn't even hear my own bike. That's crazy. All right, and uh, the downer part, though, what is the price? Yeah, so the price, they just announced it will be sixteen nine ninety nine basically $17,000. That's not horrible. This. Uh, it's not bad, but they had said a few months ago when they launched the bike that they were targeting a $15,000 price. And so in those two months, or I guess three or four months by, by now, um, I guess between <laughs> supply chain issues, uh, inflation, you know, things pushed the price up higher than they were able to uh, keep it at the 15. So it's a little bit of a bummer, but, you know, it's kind of par for the course, 17000 That puts it between a $13,000 entry level zero and like a $23,000 Energica or like a $21,000 high end zero. So it kind of falls right in the, in between those bikes. Yep. All right. Uh, keep an eye on those for when they start hitting the street. And then last story, first ride, I went off-roading in the all electric Polaris Ranger XP kinetic. Man, this, this was fun. Uh, I'm not normally a four wheel guy. And if I am, I guess it's when I'm not on roads. And this thing was just wild. So uh, this is the Polaris Ranger XP Kinetic. It's a long name. Uh, and it is the new all electric Ranger. They have another electric Ranger, which is like prehistoric technology. It's like, I think what the T-Rexes drove around in. Right. Um, Lead acid, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's real old. And so this replaces it. Uh, and it's so much better. It's actually built with a partnership with Zero Motorcycles. So it's got Zero's most powerful motor in there. Uh, puts out 110 horsepower. Uh, and then it's got either one or two of Zero's largest batteries, depending which trim level you get. So that equates to either 40 or 80 miles. And the thing is just so powerful. Oh, my gosh. Like Just going around turns with all four wheels spinning and just throwing dirt in every direction. It was it was wild. Like, and I'm, I'm used to motorcycles too. So being able to like go around turns with like the pedal to the floor and not worry about falling over was just like one of the coolest parts of this. But, uh, in terms of like actual utility, cause that's what Rangers are really meant for. I mean, yeah, they're fun to ride around the go-karts, but they're meant to be work vehicles. Right. Um, I mean, there's so many advantages here for people that take these things hunting, you know, they're very quiet. You can get out in the outdoors, even if you're just like an outdoors person, a photographer, you know, you're not going to scare the the animals when you when you come up with these things in terms of, you know, using it around a ranch or something. Uh, not only is it more powerful than any of the gas powered rangers or actually more powerful than any other uh, utility side by side from any other company, uh, but it's also so much more precise when you're driving it, you know, because these electric motors like you can just turn them like a fraction of a degree. And so if you want to just like back up into a tow hitch on a trailer, it's very easy to just like creep right up to it. Whereas with gas engines, you know, you're, you're spooling up the engine and then it's like, oh, I overshot it. And then you got to go forwards again. And so it's just a lot more uh, precise, a lot more controllable. But at the same time, it's got basically every. Oop, I think we might have lost Micah. Um, maybe he's putting down that dog in the background. Hopefully he. Uh pops back in here in a minute. Uh, but we're still watching the uh, uh, the Polaris here. 
Um, and I believe you went to um, Minnesota to uh, try these out. So um, that's pretty cool. Let's see what else we can look at here. Um, so you mentioned that the uh, they're powered by um, Zero's uh, high-end uh, motors and one or two of their batteries. That's pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, the thing is, uh, it's interesting, you know, they were going off-roading in this and they had helmets on and stuff, but Polaris are typically made for um, uh, work vehicles. Um, they, they did buy GEM. Um, it doesn't sound like any part of the gem though, which is a kind of a slow, like city vehicle. Um, we, we have gems in like grand central station you see them in airports and stuff. doesn't sound like any part of gem is in this Polaris that gems also typically have like lead acid batteries and are you know, pretty slow. So it's interesting to see Polaris go off on kind of a different tangent here. All right. Um, so that's pretty much the end of, uh, the, uh, stories we have today. There are some comments that I'd like to get into real quick here. So I will do that now. Um, we have, uh, Tyler Donahoe, uh, with so many slopes on mountain bike trails. I feel like you just need the power to get up the hills. Gravity will help you down the hills just fine. Plus your own pedal power. That's really true. Um, I think, um, the, uh, in going downhill, uh, is where that, where it's at, but, um, Hey Micah, uh, we, I kind of just finished up the Polaris there and we're, we're into the comments area. Sorry about the power outage. It sounded like maybe that dog, uh, bit a power line or something. And uh, I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah. So, uh, we're sad to see the the dog had to die, but, um, we're okay. <laughs> we're okay with the situation at this point. Um, so I, I was just talking about my mountain biking going downhills versus uphill and having the, uh, the, uh, power to go up a hill is kind of nice. Um, we at inner, no, uh, not inner bike. Yeah. Inner bike in Reno. Um, we got to try a ton of electric bikes. Um, and I think probably the coolest part about it is the very powerful and high, uh, uh, torque uh, mountain bikes were, were almost as fun going up the hill as they were coming down the hill. Um, and those were often, they were just pedal assist. Um, but, you know, with such a, you know, strong uh, up, upward force that you could, you know, go uphill, obviously pedaling quite a bit, but uh, you could go, to, go uphill, not as fast, but almost as excitingly as, as going downhill. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking forward to that Yamaha thing there. All right. So another question for you, uh, how serious is it, uh, really that Okai changes class two to three or just illegal in general, if police barely care to enforce in the first place? Um, yeah. So, you know, I'll jump in on that. Um, I, I ride illegal bikes all the time because they look like legal bikes and the cops really have no idea what legal or illegal is around here. Um, but I think in places like Israel, maybe you can comment on that. Uh, they are a little bit more alert to legal and illegal bikes. What do you think? Yeah. So like where I live in Tel Aviv, I mean, there are literally tens of thousands of e-bikes going around and they're just a normal, you know, generally accepted form of transportation. And so when it's that common, the police obviously are much more aware of the laws and they will occasionally do roundups of all these, uh, overpowered, e-bikes and so you know if you live in an area like it sounds like dallas texas the police don't really either know or care what the e-bike laws are you know it's, as long as in my opinion as long as you're basically observing the spirit of the law you're not going too fast in bike lanes you're not endangering anybody else on the road then it's all in in my opinion fairly you know fine and good i think that a lot of these laws are are arbitrary anyways you know we've got ten thousand pound electric hummers that can mow down city blocks and yet electric bikes are limited to 15 miles an hour in many countries. <laughs> like uh, the, I could go on and on about my own personal feelings about these laws, but generally speaking, I think as long as you're being safe and, and respectful of those around you, that to me is what's most important. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if uh, the U S said, all right, uh, you know, since we only have 65 mile per hour uh, speeds, we're going to 
we're going to govern every, you know, every car to 65 miles per hour. I think that would probably, we'd probably overthrow the government at that point. Just, <laughs> just knowing uh, how, how we don't care about that stuff for cars. So like, why do we care so much about bikes? And I get, you know, like bike trails, you know, for regular bikes, it's a different thing, but like on, on a street, like if you're riding like a car and there's no bike lane, I feel like they should just let you open it up. Um, and that's frankly what I do quite a bit because, um, you know, when I'm on a 30 or 35 mile per hour street, I would rather ride with traffic than have traffic have, you know, have to go around me. And I feel like that's safer. So that's how I roll. All right. Uh, Tyler Donahoe's again, if I wonder if Delfast is still making equipment for the Ukrainian forces. Uh, we did have some stories about that previously. I'd love to get a military spec e-bike that actually is a piece of history beyond leisure activities. Maybe when the war is over, they'll have the, uh, the current, how do I say that? Current edition? No. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the bikes that they uh, provided the Ukrainian forces with, I believe, were basically still top 3.0s. Not sure how different they were. So you can basically buy the bike that they outfit their troops with, though if you wait, maybe you can get like a military surplus one afterwards. That's a true piece of history. Yeah. Yeah. I know they're, they're being used in the field. Um, Transiers. So we're talking about the rad at this point. Um, I wonder what the margin is on a 499 uh, e-bike. I would say it's probably razor thin. Yeah. I'm guessing those are probably like, I don't know, $350 FOB bikes. And so they're, by the time they're actually bringing them to the U.S., add in marketing, shipping, they might not be making anything. Right. Hopefully breaking even. All right, these types of sales from Rad got a bunch of my friends into e-bikes. Four ninety nine will just get people in. Everyone I've ever let ride my e-bike for more than thirty minutes bought an e-bike in a month. That's also been my experience, and and more importantly, uh, my kids' experience. So, you know, a lot of people are like, "Hey, kids can just." Uh, you know, ride bikes, they have plenty of energy and strength. And that's true. And we do have mountain bikes for our kids. But um, when they're riding on the street, and they want to go a little faster, and we have a huge hill here, uh, the e-bikes help. And my son has like 10 friends who all want e-bikes now. So <laughs> I've either depending on how you look at it, I've either ruined it for them or biking for them, or I've opened them up to a whole new world. Um, and then uh, electric. So Tyler Donahoe's back saying electric rollerblades seem like they would hurt your knees with all that weight at the end of your legs. What do you think about that? Um, I, I guess if you were like bouncing around in them, maybe, I don't know. I, I think anyone who picks up rollerblading probably has sore knees for the first week anyways. So I imagine it's something you get used to. Yeah. All right. Brett Legrange was excited about the Del Mar. Hopefully he got what he was looking for. Uh, Bubble Magic, small sitting scooters are very fun, but dang, they are hard on your knees. Wow. A lot of people with bad knees out there, including me, especially if you're an adult size. Being in that cramped position and trying to absorb bumps with your legs gets painful. I guess you really don't with that particular scooter because it had some uh, good suspension and you kind of just you take it on the butt, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that one had dual rear suspension. So I think, you know, that one's probably the one for you if you have knee issues. All right. Uh, I'm sure the Super 73 C1X is capable, but man, it looks like a child's toy or first motorcycle for a teenager. Well, I, that might that might be more true than not. What do you think? Well, so it is small. I don't know if you're talking about the design with like sort of like the, the pink and yellow or if it's the size. I think they're 15 inch wheels, which is like, you know, Honda Grom sized, I think. So very small for a motorcycle, but also, yeah, I mean, I think when it first came out, I described it as looking like an Atari. So it's, it's kind of almost toy-like and it has that retro theme, but Hey, you know, motorcycles, it's a very personal kind of thing. You know, people buy what, what they think looks good. And then there's a lot of personalization in the motorcycle industry as well. So who am I to tell somebody if their bike looks good or not? Yeah. Uh, all right. Tyler's going to lead us out here. I can't wait for the electric motorcycle market to expand. These motorcycles are getting awesome. I agree that, but I, you know, they're almost already awesome. So uh, get in there. 17,000 doesn't sound nearly that bad for a very nice bike. And I think we can all agree that the, uh, the live wire 
Uh, Del Mar is a very nice bike. It's getting closer and closer to affordability. And I guess that depends on your definition of affordability. And then um, he moves on to the ranchers. So we're now talking about Polaris. A few ranchers here in Texas would use the Polaris. What do you think about, uh, so we did we didn't, finish up with you on the Polaris uh, <laughs> since you are out. But um, what do you think about the Polaris for the work working set? You know, like, I guess, ranching, but also just, you know, have people with big yards that want to move rocks and logs around. Yeah, so I can see this thing taking off. I mean, especially people who use it legit for uh, commercial activities, you know, farmers, ranchers, that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's a tool for them. And so it's not cheap, but I mean, a, a nicely equipped uh, gas powered Polaris Ranger is already going to be fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000. So to spend $25,000, it's a bit more, but I think it's going to be even more useful for a lot of those commercial applications. And I think it's going to take off. If anything, I believe that they're going to be supply limited for a long time with all the, the demand they're seeing. I mean, when they first opened orders, they sold out in like a few hours. So there's a lot of demand out there. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. We can, you can take us out. Awesome. So uh, I think I speak for myself, Seth and Tyler probably too. And I say thank you for joining (laughs) us here uh, on another episode of the Wheelie podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with all of the latest and greatest e-bike news. We'll see you guys then.